0: Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly tonight the readings that we have had already to this point in Scripture, especially Jesus' words in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. And as we begin, I'd like you to
1: think for yourself what Thanksgiving is. And you can interpret that however you would like. What is Thanksgiving? Maybe you think back to Thanksgivings of yesteryear.
0: Maybe your childhood and watching Barry Sanders roll all over the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) That happened more than once, by my recollection. Maybe your Thanksgiving was summarized by by Mom making the turkey and the stuffing and that special pie. Maybe Thanksgiving has memories of, of these songs that we sing that just have such a full and festive sound to it, like the end of the Harvest Festival. Maybe you think back all the way to to grade school years or or early years and learning about the, the first Thanksgiving as celebrated here in the United States, there up at the Pilgrim Settlement. What is Thanksgiving? Maybe when you think about that, you realize that every year there's at least one or two different media outlets or columnists who try to Try to kind of define Thanksgiving for us. Or try to say, well, maybe it was, wasn't quite the year that you were expecting, but you can still be grateful anyway. And that comes out with, with some of the talk show hosts. Uh, my favorite was Oprah from a few years ago. Um, I don't watch her often, by the way. <laughs> but where she tried to encourage her audience to have this, this attitude of gratitude as though having an attitude of gratitude would change your perspective on life. And maybe even that attitude of gratitude would would open doors for you and would provide opportunities for you that you wouldn't have otherwise seen if you weren't optimistic.
1: And we're gathered here tonight with Advent starting on Sunday. And we're gathered here for worship. And some of our
0: songs certainly have that that harvest terminology, exactly as we just heard and exactly as we just sang, that the Lord will give angels his charge at last, into the fire the weeds to cast, and to bring the wheat forevermore into his garner, his storehouse for all eternity which perhaps opens the door just a little bit more to that question of what is Thanksgiving. That Thanksgiving has a little bit more to it than what the, what the um, popular social commentators would say having an attitude of gratitude. And that maybe Thanksgiving is more than the emotional ideas that the columnists would suggest. That if you just want to have a warm and fuzzy Thanksgiving, here are the two or three things you have to do, and maybe you can FaceTime with the kids who are on the other side of the world, and maybe you can, maybe you can take notes and talk about all the happy events of Thanksgiving's past. That Thanksgiving must be more than simply an emotional feeling. Maybe you also recognize that Thanksgiving is even more than, than two 10-in-1 teams facing each other on Saturday.
1: Two 10-in-1 teams playing football. And that's all part of the celebration. But what is Thanksgiving? Well, if Thanksgiving isn't primarily about our emotion, and it's not primarily about our attitude. What is Thanksgiving? In our
0: readings tonight, you put them all together, and we see that there are a couple of characteristics that kind of come out, and perhaps even highlight for us some of the things that might um, might be what I called uh, gremlins," the sort of sort of ideas or even sinful thoughts. That would hamper our giving thanks. Kind of the way that, um, you know, if the, the auto mechanic is trying to diagnose something on your car and it's just, he said it, would, it was some sort of gremlin in the electrical system, that he couldn't quite put his finger on it, but it was hampering the car in some way. And so, what are some of the ideas or some of the sinful thoughts? that might hamper this attitude this really this reality of thanksgiving and we've touched on one already that thanksgiving isn't primarily about our emotion but rather exactly as jesus unpacks for us in our gospel lesson that thanksgiving is a fruit of faith that somebody might want to have an attitude of gratitude But that
1: presupposes, that proposes, that there's somebody to thank. That you just
0: can't have an attitude of gratitude without somebody that you're actually thanking. That you can't have a thanksgiving without someone that you are thanking. And that's what Moses, that's where Moses starts for us. When he talks to the Israelite people as they are about to enter the promised land, and he says, you know what, the Lord is giving you a wonderful land. A wonderful land where you won't have to go hungry. Which was kind of a new concept 3,000 years ago. 3,500 years ago. A new land where you will be able to um, produce an income for yourself and build a home for yourself. But did you notice the contrast? That thanksgiving isn't about enumerating all the things we have and all the things we have now that we didn't have then. Because the contrast was picked up in verse 15, I suppose, or maybe verse 14 and 15. Because up until that point, Moses had been saying, here are all the things that God is giving to you in this land. And then 14 and 15, he says, oh, but by the way, your Lord made sure that you never went hungry in the wilderness. And even though the water just comes out of the ground and there are rivers and streams and lakes in this new land and you'll never have to go thirsty, your Lord is the one who provided you water out of a rock. And that that the Lord is the one who still provides for them even today.
1: And so." Maybe one of those ideas that would unwittingly suck the joy out of Thanksgiving. It's often proposed,
0: but it's that idea of if I just list what I'm thankful for, or even you know the the, the helpful exercise perhaps that we did at my grandma's house growing up. You go around the table and everybody says like one thing that you're thankful for.
1: But listing what we have or what we don't have, doesn't create thankfulness.
0: It might be helpful, especially for kids, to, to see that, yes, they've been given a lot.
1: But that list, if that list were to create an attitude of thanksgiving, it would never be enough. And Paul zooms in on the converse the flip side, in Colossians,
0: where he talks about, um, and he talks in these huge long sentences, (laughs) he talks about the incredible blessings that our Lord has given to us and the way that he hides those blessings in the simplest way. That there at the cross, God crucified not only his son, but he crucified every legal demand that was opposed to you and to me. It's as though God's law was right there, crucified with Christ. The law that we even heard about in that small catechism selection. Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you hurt anyone by word or deed? Have you been dishonest, careless, wasteful,
1: or done other wrong? And that starts to get to the heart of it. That if Thanksgiving is to be a time of joy, Thanksgiving is a fruit of faith. It's not an attitude that we conjure up within ourselves.
0: It's not an emotion that we try to hang on before the, before the little candle lit
1: of that emotion goes out. Thanksgiving sees what our Lord has done for us, first and foremost.
0: Thanksgiving is, is the result of God's tangible work in crucifying his son, so that you and I can say, even as we, even as we read that, have you been, Pastor Hagin, have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazily? Yes, yes, and yes, all day long. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that because of the handful of water together with the word of God, because of that taste on the tongue and the Lord's Supper, my Jesus brought his forgiveness home to me in a way that, that I can both understand and comprehend, as well as in a way that interacts with
1: me and you physically and visibly, tangibly. That's the heart of Thanksgiving. Because if we, see, if we see that
0: it all starts there, then everything else falls into place if we see that, that Moses was warning God's people against setting their eyes on what is seen in this world and the blessings that they could count, Moses was warning God's people, really, against not hearing and taking to heart God's words. Because it's like, exactly as he said, you know, your Lord provided for you throughout the wilderness. You didn't go hungry there. And even though you're, he... The Lord is bringing you into a new land, a new land that is rich and bountiful. He's going to be the one to make sure you never go hungry there, exactly as he did walking through the wilderness. And he's going to be the one to provide for you there so you'll never have to be thirsty, exactly as he did
1: walking through that wilderness. Why? Because our Lord delights to show his grace and that, that spirit of thanksgiving is a reflection of his love for us. Our Lord delights to
0: show his grace to people, to you and to me, where you can say, of all the things I have to give thankful for, I don't have to make a list. I don't have to look around at who's at the table or who's, who's now rejoicing with the Lord in heaven. All I have to see is, is my Savior, Jesus. And that my Savior, Jesus, has continued to provide for me to this very day. That whether I'm gathered around a turkey and stuffing with family and friends, or whether it's me and a box of saltines and the football game on TV, you know what? If I've got Jesus, that's all I need. I've got a Savior who cares about me. Who cared about me so much, yes, to to be crucified in my place, so that all of God's, the law, the demands of God's law, every single demand of God's law, now just falls to the ground. Every single impinging of the conscience, when we read that, that uh, confession part three, it's like, oh man, (laughs) glad I came to church tonight. Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you hurt anyone by word or deed? Have you been dishonest, careless, wasteful, or done other wrong? And you read those words,
1: and it's your heart and mind say yes. But Jesus didn't leave us there. He said, dear friend, your sin has been washed away. And the way that you know that, the way that you know that is
0: through his word that strikes the heart. His spirit that converts through the ear and through the eye converts through those very words to give life so that this thanksgiving isn't isn't simply an attitude that we put on for a day or two. It's not simply an emotion where we try to recollect times in the past or the warm feelings of the holidays. It's not some listing of what we have in in an attempt to understand how much our God has given to us. Quite to the contrary, this Thanksgiving is recognizing
1: that this is what our God has given to us, his own son. And on top of that, a roof over your head, food on the table, a family of Christians, family of believers here that, that could even sympathize and be there for you
0: in a way that maybe your own family can't, or isn't. To the point that Jesus can go on even to, in Luke chapter 6, when he talks about, blessed are you who are poor, because you're, blessed are you who hunger now, blessed are you who weep now, blessed are you whenever people hate you, and you read those, and it's like, I don't get this. And he goes on, Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are well-fed. Woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you when
1: all people speak well of you. Pastor Hagen, why would we have this reading? Because Thanksgiving starts and ends with Jesus. Not our external circumstances.
0: Because thanksgiving doesn't depend on, on what we can count and see and what we can feel and, what, and who's there and who's not. Thanksgiving is the attitude that every Christian can have no matter their circumstance. Even the Christian who is, um, who is hungry or weeping or hated, that Christian can say, you know what? I have a Lord who loves me. And the Christian who is who is wealthy or well-fed and laughing and being spoken well of, that Christian doesn't have to fall under the condemnation of Luke chapter 6. But we can say, you know what? <laughs> My Lord has given so much to me. He's given me his son. That's reason for joy. And he continues to provide for me. So that I don't, have to, I don't have to try to measure my life on what I can see and what I can't based on what I can count. I don't have to measure my life and to set my heart and pin my hopes on the wealth and the food and the tangible blessing. I have a God who's going to provide for all of them. Exactly as Moses said 1,400 years before Jesus. And here we are, Two thousand years after Jesus' earthly ministry, and not one word of his promises have failed. That in every circumstance, every day, every Christian can say, "I have every reason to give thanks to my God." Not as some attitude that I try to try to wear and conjure up, like the talk show host says I should and not based on on what I have and trying to leverage myself into having a better attitude about the day. But for the Christian, for every Christian, every, every time and place, and of every circumstance,
1: every day is Thanksgiving. Because every day is another day with Jesus. And there with Jesus, in his word, And here in his supper, you've got a feast that's better than a turkey. You've got a family that's more long-lasting than those you might sit and eat with tomorrow. You've got
0: a joy that isn't based on the externals that we
1: can see and count, but based on the spiritual reality that our Savior saw our sin And yet, because of his death and resurrection, you and I are counted as not guilty, as members at his table. Happy Thanksgiving. Amen.